Spags, the dust from free agency has settled, and now it's time to figure out who are the winners and who are the losers. Everybody always wants to know which team looks better, which team looks worse, which free agency signings do you actually care about? We're going to dig into it today. We're going to rank them all. You can see the tier maker is on the screen. Pete is ready to go. And Pete, I'm going to give you the floor here. Actually, let's do what the thumbnail is saying. Damian Harris, people have stoked on Twitter yesterday about that signing. Uh, Devin Singletary moving away from the Bills as well, going to the Texans. Let's talk about the Buffalo side. Buffalo released Isaiah McKenzie, signed uh, Deontay Hardy, who people are really excited about as well. Where would you put the bills amidst these five tiers of love the moves? Pretty solid break even, probably got worse, and uh, the dreaded dumpster fire. Man, I I think when you factor in the defensive side of the ball, which I am not known to do, but they mm-hmm. lost Edmonds, who is a key linebacker for them. I think you have to say they probably got worse. Um, maybe maybe you could say break even, um, but I, I don't know. Deontay Hardy. <laughs> Does he really move the needle for you? He's not moving it for me. I I think I've always been higher on the market too on Devin Singletary. You know, I think he's more uh, dynamic of a player than Damian Harris. Damian Harris definitely better around the goal line. Let's let's go ahead and give them break even. You know, I'll be slightly generous to the Bills. Where would you have had them? I think break even be about right to me. I do think people are a little too excited about the Damian Harris signing as I guess I kind of teased there in the intro to this, but like James Cook was pretty good last year. I think anytime you bring in a veteran back, who's going to take some away from a guy who uh, could develop, maybe not be a bell cow back could be as efficient. Uh, actually cook was better in DVOA last year than Damian Harris. So that's one thing that I certainly track along with the uh, various EPA numbers, but I feel like, you know, just focusing on the offensive side, I think what's appealing about them right now is that you can get Damian Harris for pretty cheap. And I think for your drafting best ball teams, that's certainly one way to get different if you've already been drafting them. But I do think that overall, like it just makes it a tougher picture. It makes it tougher to figure out who's going to have the spike weeks here and there. Cause James cook was so involved in the past game last year. And you got to imagine Harris won't be right. Yeah. And so like breaking it down, what they added, they did add a guard, which I know was needed Connor McGovern because I wrote up for fantasy life, how to fix the bills and their offensive line play last year was really bad. They bring in case Keenum, Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield, and Damian Harris, but they lose uh, Tremaine Edmonds, who is a key linebacker, Isaiah McKenzie, who I honestly feel like has a similar skill set de- to Deontay Hardy too. Like that feels like kind of a lateral move to me. Um, they lose their guard, Roger Saffold, and then of course, Devin Singletary too. So I don't know. I think break even feels about right here for the bills. And I think ultimately how we view the bills will be ter- be determined by what they do in the draft, because we do know they need more of a playmaker on offense. Tyler saying here, Damian pushing Cook's price down feels great, giving those targets. I think it's a fair way to look at it that if you're going to draft Cook now, it's going to get more appealing. What I always think about is like, you know, the people who've been drafting Damian Pierce in the 50s, 60s, wherever it may be, I guess maybe a little bit higher than that. Um, They're certainly drafting him, assuming that he was going to get that full workload, get that full volume. And now you're going to see Damian Pierce start to come down, you know, maybe to the 80s range, or that might be a little bit too aggressive, but he's going to come down some amount. And I think that's where, Pete, it starts to get hard to talk about the stuff where there are certain teams, like if you made the investment in Rashad Penny, like I thought about tweeting the screenshot of like 50% Rashad Penny, puff your chest out. At the same token, though, it's like, okay, that matters for the big board, but it definitely won't matter come the time of like, you know, Best Ball Mania 4 or any of the other big tournaments. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I do. I will say for the people, those were probably two of the biggest winners for early uh, best ball shares. Uh, If you had loaded up on Damian Harris and Rashad Penny in those 170, 180, you are very, very happy about the closing line value you get. I haven't actually gotten an updated ADP check on Damian Harris and the Bills, but he feels to me like he's going to be a routine 10th and 11th round pick going forward. 
Yeah, so there's an appropriate value for him. We'll try to move forward here. Um, let's talk about the Devin Singletary thing because I actually might have a more aggressive take on Houston overall. I actually think they look pretty solid right now in terms of the additions they've made and the fact you can get these guys for very cheap. Dalton Schultz going on a one-year deal, Devin Singletary going on a low-money deal as well, but guys that should carve out a role in an offense that I think will likely get one of the better QBs. And I think, too, it's kind of getting crowded there. Like, they signed Robert Woods as well. You have Mechie coming back. You certainly have some guys there who should demand some share of the offense. But I think it gets at least there's a, a chance of having upside. And I've said it before, like, I think the Texans can win the South next year. I think the coaches they've hired all in that Niners tree, D'Amico Ryan, of course, being the head coach. I think it all gets better. So I think the fantasy outlook gets better, too. And even if these guys are replacement level, that's better than what the Texans had last year. So I actually don't mind buying into them a little bit. Yeah, and I do think if you look at all the names on on just paper, you're not going to want to put anyone in the love the moves category, maybe maybe one team. But if you grade this free agency class on a curve based on what was the available talent out there in free agency, I actually think you could make the case that the Texans were up there with love the moves. You know, obviously, we all know about Singletary and Dalton Schultz. This was a team that is so starved for any kind of offensive playmakers. And they're heading into a season where they're going to have a rookie quarterback that I think going out and getting Singletary, who's a clear upgrade on Rex Burkhead as far as a second running back behind Damian Pierce and Dalton Schultz, who's a clear upgrade on the Brevin Jordans and the Farrell Browns of the world. So I like that. They also added safety, Jimmy Ward. They added defensive tackle, Sheldon Rank, uh, Rankins. And so they actually got some key starters here, depending on how you feel about Robert Woods as well. So I'm going to do it, Spags. I'm going to put them in the love the moves category for the Texans. I'll support that. I also enjoy the move that I love is you having to read defensive players and linemen names for probably the first time allowed ever. Cause like I just highlighted only the offensive guys in my list, but you went for the gusto. And I think that deserves a round of applause for Pete's efforting. Well, it, it also segues into me launching my new show where I do IDP rankings and it's called Rankins Rankings. Um, and we exclusively rank Sheldon Rankins. Uh, how's he ranking this week? Ah, uh, he's looking good. Real good. <laughs> Uh, who do you want? <laughs> Here's a team that I'm going to give a dumpster fire right away. Uh, just because I think we got to get some easy ones out of the way. The Cardinals, it was alarming to look at the list of what they've done. They re signed Corey Clement for one year, um, they re signed Matt Prater, uh, some offensive line movements as well. But it feels like the Cardinals don't have any sort of future here. I think, you know, they're going to figure out where Kyler Murray is next year. I still think it's been my take for a few months now that I think they're going to kind of tank it out and see if they can rebuild for the following year. But it just feels ugly for them. No additions at NFC West that I think will be a little bit improved with Seattle kind of moving upwards. The Niners, you know, having a full year of McCaffrey, all that. So I hate the Cardinals. I don't want to invest in them. I've said it time and time again. I would not draft a Cardinal and feel good about it. Besides maybe James Conner going late enough because they're just basically going to be running out the clock on the year. So we have the same macro take. I agree. Cardinals, definitely a dumpster fire. And then this is without even mentioning, we don't know when Kyler is going to play, if he's even going to play. And if they are truly a dumpster fire this year, there's no reason to rush him back. He basically should just redshirt this year, try to tank, get another good pick, come back fully healthy. And then they are most likely going to shop DeAndre Hopkins. We've kind of saw the market established for what Brandon Cook's got, a fifth and a sixth rounder. you got to think DeAndre Hopkins is going to fetch more than that. So maybe they can accumulate some assets here but yeah what they did in free agency was basically nothing at all and this is not a team that is ready to compete and if anything you could say they might be in the mix for a 101 pick almost like the bears next year and then have a really hard decision uh what is it caleb williams you know at the top of the draft there that people are interested in as a potential 101 and they're going to have kind of like the justin fields or 101 quarterback situation with kyler murray potentially 
Yeah, I mean, I get it. People are already saying the uh, catapulting for Caleb. I've also heard capitulating for Caleb. Certainly a lot of the fun Caleb Williams spiking things, but he is a guy that looks great in all the advanced analytics. Maybe a little bit on the smaller side at QB, but still has been good for, of course, the beloved USC Trojans for all of us. Um, Is there anybody else, Pete, who comes to mind as an easy dumpster fire team? I feel like the Falcons may be close. So they actually have made a lot of moves like for the things that we don't care about, non-fantasy relevant players, uh, guys on offense, guys on defense. I don't know that I want to put them there. Maybe Baltimore, should they be in dumpster fire? Uh, Baltimore, I think, is up there. I would say the Rams are a dumpster fire. Okay. I support um, that. I mean, yeah, Allen Robinson on the trade block is probably their one big move and they lose Baker. There's not a whole lot else to talk about for them. They also lost uh, Jalen Ramsey, you know, oh, yeah. in that in that trade. I mean, the only uh, free agent addition I'm seeing here was tight end Hunter Long that they added. We still don't know what's going on with Allen Robinson. He wants a trade. So this feels very similar to me as the Cardinals thing, where you have question marks basically up and down the entire roster. I mean, it is funny when you think about them as far as an underdog draft, right? Cooper Cup still locked and loaded, top five pick. People don't really have concerns about him. But after that, um, Cam Akers is, you know, basically an afterthought relative to his kind of projectable volume as the starting running back in that offense. And then no one else wants to take anyone. You can maybe get Van Jefferson or Tutu Atwell super late, but man, this is not a fun team to, uh, to target right now. Yeah, and also Aaron Donald retiring, I think, is something that's not a part of free agency, but definitely going to make everything look worse. As Pete mentioned, the Jalen Ramsey trade, uh, which I didn't mention up top. I think there's a lot of things that look bad for them, but you know, where there's crisis in defense, there is opportunity for offense. It's just a question of how much Cooper Cup can handle and if he'll be active throughout the year because they might not be playing for anything. Um, I want to throw a team into the mix that I think you might disagree with. I want to put the Panthers in pretty solid because I think they're making moves that tell me they're going to get one of these top QBs. And I don't think it's going to be Bryce Young. I think it's going to be CJ Stroud. They're giving him veteran weapons around him. Guys can actually produce. I think Hayden Hurst, now he's not going to be as good as he was in the Bengals last year, but I think at least you can define him as a player to go to. Adam Thielen, I am not huge on. I think he's closer to the side of Wash than a productive player, but he's a good number two guy for, I think, Terrace Marshall, then maybe giving him a shot to, to be Justin Jefferson and that, you know, that sort of schematic kind of approach. So I like the Panthers, and I think Miles Sanders, one of the good, like the really good signings here, got real money, was a real player in Philadelphia. They're going to love him in Carolina. He's going to get a lot of touches. I think that all bodes really well for them fantasy-wise. Yeah, this is where we kind of get in how we're defining this exercise, right? Because mm -hmm. some of these moves are setting themselves up for the future, right? And then some of these are purely, are we doing a snapshot of what they did in free agency? I see. It seems like we're kind of blending the two, right? What yeah. they did in free agency and what that tells us about where they're going. Um, you know, I, I still, I don't think I would be able to put them as a pretty solid because I do think losing DJ Moore was not a smart move. And I think, you know, when you are getting a rookie quarterback coming in here, I'm willing to give them break even just to meet you in the middle on the points you made. But I think when you have DJ Moore at his age, who could be a new quarterback's best friend, you know, that's the kind of guy that can make your quarterback look competent as opposed to having just this dire situation where they now have a ton of pressure to really find these weapons and Adam Thielen and Terrace Marshall. And yes, even LaVisca Chanel, they ain't it as far as elevating a new QB as they get acclimated to the league. So I, I have to ding them on the DJ Moore stuff. 
So there's one thing that jumped out to me that's been making me take Terrence Marshall a lot, and I think it was kind of a surprise. Let me see uh, where he is. Terrence Marshall had one of the better EPAs per target last year in the league, and that could be, you know, attention going DJ Moore's way. Uh, DJ Moore was not great for some things, but I think Terrence Marshall, uh, 0.460 EPA per target. Now, again, it's not like number one receiver volume, so it's going to come down a little bit, but that is like an outlier number. I mean, that's ahead of where Justin Jefferson was, again, with a lot less volume. So I think there's still life in the bones of Terrence Marshall. It all kind of depends like how the new coaching staff likes him. But I think these moves are telling you they must like him enough or they must like one of the receivers in the draft, I guess, that they think they can get in the second round. But it feels like they're they're building a competitive team. So I think that's what matters the most. It's like that team's going to be competitive. They're going to be trying to win the NFC South. They theoretically upgraded in coaching. I guess maybe Frank Reich's a bit of a boomer, but we'll find out. But I think that's what matters. Like they're going to be trying to win. So you know these guys at least are going to be out there getting meaningful reps and hopefully some shots of scoring points. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that I think surprised me a little bit is it was like what they did last year in trading CMC away and recognizing that you don't build around, you know, an expensive bell cow running back when you're not a contender. And then they had a ton of success with Chuba Hubbard and Deonta Foreman there. And so I kind of liked them going cheap at running back and then building through the wide receivers. And then they let DJ Moore go and then pay Miles Sanders a good chunk of change. And it makes me think that they're, they're now middling it a little bit where they're like, we want to be competitive right now as opposed to just fully embracing a rebuild year with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I think it's a fair way to look at it. I guess I just like having some definition because to me, if they re-sign Foreman and then brought back Hubbard, it's like, great, we're drafting you know players that have different roles, but it's still like you don't know who's going to have the upside week. Now you know it's going to be Sanders that has the upside weeks. Now you know it'll theoretically be Marshall. And then, you know, it's the backstop, Steelen and Hurst that have the upside weeks. And I think it just comes down to like if they take Bryce Young, that's fine. If they take C.J. Stroud, I think this offense is going to be scoring a lot of points and be a lot more productive in the past game. And if that's the case, there's room for these guys to actually be useful and probably more useful than they would have been in their previous teams um people asking about the cowboys pete so i'm gonna let you direct the conversation there obviously adding brandon cooks in a trade and the big news adding rojo and actually enough to rope me in for one more year drafting rojo in best ball where would you rank them i'm gonna give the cowboys pretty solid um i think they would have made a very very big mistake if they didn't retain tony pollard and so i'm gonna lump that into kind of their free agency of making sure they got Tony Pollard re-signed because after CD Lamb, Tony Pollard is their entire offense. I don't think it's bad that they let Dalton Schultz go. I think if you think of the move from Dalton Schultz to uh to Ferguson, who I know people are now starting to get excited about as their starting tight end, I don't think that's as big of a gap. And then adding Brandon Cooks, who I do think still has a little bit left in the tank. He's been good, you know, for his entire career and in, in a lot of different situations. He had a couple hiccup years in Houston. But still, I think he is, I don't want to say a perfect fit because obviously, you know, hey, maybe Amari Cooper would have been a perfect fit on that offense who they had and also gave away for a fifth round pick last year. So they're kind of almost undoing or getting to wind back that mistake. And I think with Amari Cooper, or sorry, with CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks, and Michael Gallup, you now have a, a wide receiver trio that can compete in this league. And I think Cooks and Dak are going to have a nice connection. So I got to give them pretty solid moves. And then, of course, making Ronald Jones makes you arguably move them up into love the moves. I honestly think it's interesting because if you give Rojo the touches that Zeke got last year, <laughs> I think those are better touches. Like, yes, I think that, they like are. a chance for deep plays, a chance for touchdowns the same way. So 
it's it's interesting. Like, I don't believe in the offensive coordinator. Like, the Schottenheimer hire, I think, scares me a little bit still. But I'm with you on all the takes. Brandon Cooks' ADP is already starting to come up. Um, I would kind of caution against the, about, like, too much enthusiasm because I think they are going to definitely run it away. But, like, there's going to be Tony Pollard weeks. And if, if Jones makes the roster, Pete, like, there's going to be Rojo weeks. And, and Pat might win another $2 million off the strength of that alone. <laughs> yeah, God, if, if Pat goes back to back, I, I do think <laughs> I'll have to stop being friends with him. It would just be too much. Uh, but what boy, but what a win for like legendary upside, of course, which <laughs> the new site, we got to make sure to promote to show our boys some love, go check it out. Um, all right, where should we go to next? I think the bears are a buzzy team, a, a little more added on defense, a little more added besides the DJ more part of things, but that is a big part of it. It seems like you would put the bears and either love the moves are pretty solid. If I had to guess. Yeah. Again, when you're grading, uh, this free agency period on a curve, I think the Bears have to go into love the moves. You know, even starting, there was initial chatter about should they trade the, um, or should they keep the number one pick and trade Justin Fields? I thought that was ludicrous. I'm glad that they're building around Justin Fields, going out and getting a ton of assets and moving back in this draft class just makes so much sense. There is no locked and loaded prospect at the top that you just have to have. And I think they played this well. They moved down. And then on top of it, to add DJ Moore, who really gives Justin Fields a legitimate weapon in a way he hasn't had it um, in his first two years in the league. I think they you have to give this um, as a win. And then the trade-off of going from you know David Montgomery to Deontay Foreman, if that means that Khalil Herbert's role expands and Deontay Foreman just takes over the big back roles, I think that makes their offense better as well. So to me, I love all the Bears moves. Yeah, I think it does concentrate the targets a little bit more. I still think Mooney is viable and Cole Komet as well. You know, viable is that guy that you can get some ceiling games from, but I don't expect the week-to-week production to be there for the Bears. But I think it does make them more intriguing as a fantasy team because if there is a week where Mooney is like, you know, going to be the chalk play, I don't know how that would happen, but let's say in DraftKings, he's 3K or something, and they're like, oh, this is a misprice. People play Mooney, then you play more or you play Komet, and it gets sort of obvious that those guys could actually have a ceiling that would sort of suck away from the value of the other guy. So I think fantasy-wise, it makes sense. For fields upside, it makes sense. You can actually have guys to stack with fields. I do wish the fields and more ADPs were a little bit different, so it's easier to get them without feeling like you're all in on the Bears. Uh, but besides that, though, like I think they have a lot of weapons. I think they have a backstop now for if Herbert isn't the guy that everybody wants him to be. Foreman's going to get some touchdowns. So um, in terms of just like pure ceilings, I think they have as many like potential guys to draft at OK Capital who actually could have like a legitimate ceiling. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think that makes... I think that makes sense. Um, Pete Overbet here saying, do the Bears' uh, great moves matter if they still run a dinosaur offense? I feel like I've been fighting this uh, this battle uh, in, in streams and Discord and stuff where I think you have to give teams a chance to change their style of play based on the personnel. And I keep using the Eagles you know, example of becoming way more pass-heavy despite initially with Jalen Hurts, they were a super run-heavy team. As the quarterback matures as a passer, as they add more weapons, um, I think their pass rate is going to increase. And yes, are they going to turn into the Bills or the uh, Chiefs? No, but even a modest uptick from being the team who threw the least last year, I think will bode well for the offense. Yeah, an increase in volume, increase in efficiency, which should happen as well as teams start to adjust to what Justin Fields does as a rusher. So I think that's something to keep in mind as well. But it's not always as binary. Like, I agree with Pete. Like, I think you actually saw them start to shape that offense to Justin Fields as he was running hot. And also, you know, Montgomery to some extent as well down the home stretch of last year. 
Now they have DJ Moore, you know, they're going into the offseason. That's going to be the game plan. It's like, how do we use Fields to run? How do we use Fields' threat of running to open up DJ Moore and Mooney and Komet um, and Chase Claypool even? Like, they're actually going to have time to scheme some stuff up for him. So I think it makes sense, even though I get why people sort of are reluctant to hop into that one. Um, I'm going to throw another dumpster fire. I think the Bengals are a dumpster fire right now. The Mixon thing hanging over uh, their heads. I saw Joe Goodberry is one of like the Bengals, uh, I guess, blog guys, social media guys. He's doing it for a while. He was saying he thinks they're going to cut Mixon as a June 1st cut because I guess there's like $10 million they could save basically, which doesn't even matter for free agency. It matters for paying Joe Burrow, paying T. Higgins. But they didn't get P. Ryan. You know, I guess now we're going in expecting if they keep Mixon, it would be Mixon and, and Chris Evans or somebody in the draft. And it could get a lot better for him. But right now it's like they haven't done anything. And it feels like everybody else is getting a little bit better. And for the Bengals, I think they needed to make some actual improvements. Yeah, I don't think I'd be as harsh on them. Um I would personally have them at break even. So if you want to split the Ooh. difference at probably okay. get uh, worse, I'm willing to do that. I just don't think the running back stuff is a big deal. Um, I think they will either in the draft uh, or however um, in this, you know, free agency class, they'll be able to find um, capable running back production. I don't think Hayden Hurst moves the needle for me that much. This is also going to be one of the best tight end classes we've seen. So they might be able to restock the cupboard there. They were able to add offensive tackle Orlando Brown, which should be a nice move. They're constantly trying to make sure they're protecting Joe Burrow. And like the biggest win of all is they are going to be able to find a way to pay both Joe Burrow and T Higgins, which I think was their number one operative coming out of this free agency. So probably got worse, but I think it's business as usual for the, uh, for the uh, Bengals. And that's one of those things too, where you're right. The Orlando Brown thing is a big, a big part of it. Cause they did actually write up in the athletic, how that happened with a lot of people expecting them, uh, him to go back to the chiefs. Then the Bengals ended up being a last minute player for it. So that's where the, the fantasy football and real life football parts do differentiate a little bit, but I think that's a fair point. Like I think for me right now, like with what they've done, I would put them in the dumpster fire category, but I'm glad we're splitting the difference. What they do in the draft though, like if they take my guy, Dalton Kincaid, if they take one of the running backs that are electric, this changes completely then where it's like, holy shit, these guys are going to be even better versions of what they had last year. And I think that's where the Bengals are maybe one of the teams that could stand to make the biggest leap on our rankings right now. But I think for what they've done so far, I just feel like, like they just haven't done much, that, at least fantasy football-wise. Yeah, and I, I like P. Ryan. I, I think if they were able to keep him for cheap, it would have made sense. But uh, he clearly got more money from the Broncos than they were willing to, to spend there. So, yeah, I'm not going to fault them too much on that. If there's one thing, you know, if, if the Bengals come out of this free agency losing both Mixon and P. Ryan, they're still going to be fine. You could go look at the Vegas markets. Nothing is going to change because they lost those running backs. They'll be able to find a bruiser. They could maybe find a guy in this draft with some speed as a complimentary guy. They're going to be completely fine. So let's talk about some of these other teams that are floating around out there. And guys, if you're here for a draft, by the way, make sure to come back on Friday. We'll do another Pete and I head to head on Friday on the channel. Pete versus Spags going to be coming up there. So subscribe to the channel. Come back on Friday. We're doing our prep work on Tuesdays. We'll do the guest shows. We'll do some general prep work on here. So we're keeping it fresh and exciting for everybody involved. And we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. And of course, hitting that like button right now. Um, let's go to... Let's go to the Eagles because mm -hmm. I have a take on the Eagles fantasy wise. I think, again, I'm really stoked about getting Rashad Penny where he is, where I did. I think he's still got some value in him. I'm happy to take it in the 80s. I think he's marked at like a 180p right now. Probably going to come up. 
I think it's actually pretty solid slash maybe love the moves because they didn't add anybody who's going to take focus away from A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith or Dallas Goddard. They also added Marcus Mariota as a backup, which kind of makes more sense than Gardner Minshew, even though Minshew did a pretty okay last year, I guess, uh, relative to what expectations are. But I love Penny. I think Penny is a fantastic pickup for him. I think he's going to earn this one-year deal and maybe get a little bit more out of it at the back end. So I think he's an upgrade and I think might be a better player than Miles Sanders, but also he's so cheap and he could literally give you 1,500 yards and 15 TDs this year. Yeah, I they did some stuff I like. I mean, they did lose uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, which is a pretty big loss in their secondary. Um, I think for me, they're break-even because they did lose some key um, people, at least on the defensive side. But like you said... I think not having to pay Miles Sanders a ton of money when they clearly like doing a committee situation and then getting Rashad Penny for dirt cheap. Like there's talk on Twitter that they could even cut him if they wanted. Not that they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to cut him, but that's how cheap he is, that they wouldn't be, you know, taking a huge cap hit if they let him go. Um, they also re-signed Jason Kelsey. There was kind of some uncertainty of whether Kelsey was going to continue playing with the Eagles there. So I think they're ultimately break even because of those defensive hits, but they did well, I think, to basically, similar to the Bengals, stay business as usual. Their futures odds, their chances to make it to the Super Bowl, again, I do not think has changed in a meaningful way. So here's a team I'm curious your thoughts about. The Chiefs. I think I would put it break even right now just because, and honestly, you can make the case to go pretty solid. I think losing Juju, um, it depends on what they end up doing the rest of free agency because they are rumored to maybe be in the mix for DeAndre Hopkins or an Odell if those guys price themselves out of all the other teams that could be out there. But I kind of like them right now. I would say break even if I'm going to go that way. But I think just the knowing that Kadarius Tony is potentially going to be the number one target this year, that makes it easier to buy in on him. I also think Sky Moore, for uh, as much of a non-player as he was last year, like there is hope for him to kind of be more, no pun intended, this year. So I think they're better. Like it's almost addition by subtraction. But you add an Odell. Like Odell's going in the 130s. I took him today. He could go in the 50s, like if he's a chief. And I think that's something that there's still some more uh, juice to squeeze out of everything as well. Yeah, I think break even's probably about right. They were the ones they lost Orlando Brown, but then they did just swap him out for Jawan Taylor. They lose Juju Smith-Schuster, which I don't really think moves the needle. He was uh, barely relevant for most of last year, just didn't look that good. I think the Pats made a mistake uh, swapping out Jacoby for Juju. So yeah, they were actually pretty quiet. The Chiefs were here in free agency and I don't blame them either because they'll probably start to get some of these cheap guys too. Like teams or players and free agents want to go play, you know, with the best uh, on the best team. So you mentioned Odell, like they will probably be in the mix to get some of these ring chasing veterans and who knows, maybe they're in the mix for Deandre Hopkins as well. If they want to go that route. Yeah. Tyler asking dream landing spot for, for nuke for Deandre Hopkins. Um, I guess the chiefs would be one of them. I also think this is kind of counterintuitive to how a lot of people talk about the chargers, but I do think if you stretch Mike Williams out a little bit more and you do let, you know, Hopkins be that more intermediate target while you have Allen running out of the slot, that's pretty compelling to me too. But I just don't love Nuke's game relative to an aging player, so I have a hard time kind of forcing him into anywhere. Uh, but Pete, if you could choose a spot for Hopkins, and if you want to tie that into, I guess, the next team you want to rank here, uh, who would it be for Hopkins? Well, I mean, again, it's you can always do the lazy greatfit.com. Obviously, going to the Bills or the Chiefs, uh, I think, would be awesome landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins. You know, incredible quarterbacks, pass-heavy offenses, teams in need of another, you know, wide receiver. I think... If you have concerns about Nuke's game right now, 
I think going to the Bills or the Chiefs where you're not actually going to have to be the number one. You could be the number two alongside Diggs. You could be the number two alongside Travis Kelsey. I think that's a perfect spot for him to be at this stage of the career. So, I mean, I could come up with some more creative ones. I think the the Chargers, too, would be a really fun team to try to add another weapon there. Um, I mean, Keenan, Mike Williams, and DeAndre Hopkins would be a pretty sick trio. But the Chiefs and the Bills got to be the best, too. So Chargers, we keep mentioning them. And shout out to Sammy, by the way, for the super chat. We appreciate that a bunch. Of course, go War Pigs, our favorite team in Buffalo. They're the only ones that we care about personally, not the Bills, the War Pigs. Uh, but let's talk about the Chargers. So the Chargers have not made any moves offensively besides re-signing Easton Stick, who, again, should be a lacrosse player, but he is a backup quarterback instead. The Chargers, I think, for what they've done so far, unless we're going to lump in not getting rid of Keenan Allen, probably got worse just from the inertia of things not being better though i guess adding kellen moore i do believe in that so chargers break even for me but you can tell me which way you want to go yeah um the other big domino here is going to be what happens with the austin eckler situations mm, he had a follow-up quote to the reports that um he might be seeking a potential trade partner wanting to get paid more he had the quote today saying hey i'm underpaid um which Relative to his role, um, you can talk about whether running backs in general are overpaid or underpaid, but I think compared to the market and what he does for an offense, I mean, outside of Christian McCaffrey, I don't think there's anyone who changes a team's offense from the running back position more than Austin Eckler. So that could be a huge domino. And again, this is a team that just like needs playmakers um, bad. And, you know, I still don't know if they're going to end up cutting uh, Gerald Everett. He's a cut candidate. There was even talk about Keenan Allen being a cut candidate. So with all of this, kind of revolving door at at talent i do think they are probably getting worse not adding any other weapons they are a huge candidate to to draft a pass catcher in this draft um but as of right now with all the uncertainty and then you toss in health concerns with mike williams i think they got worse okay so yeah i'm, I'm with you on that i think the, the eckler thing is a tough part because i do assume they're going to work it out but i know etr was speculating like what if he goes to the Bengals, uh, austin eckler and i think that would certainly be a wild one it seems hard to maybe expect two afc teams that are trying to compete for a title to make that kind of trade but that would be interesting and it would certainly make uh it would probably put the charters in dumpster fire category but i think right now i'm with you just like the the uncertainty there i think they'll be okay when the season comes along for right now i would agree that they probably have gotten worse and um, do we I will say the Ravens, Ravens are a dumpster fire, right? Yeah. Just real quick on, on Pete's comment there, the yeah. Kellen Moore, there are both multiple people making this comment. I do agree. I think you could have some kind of almost Brian Dayball with the Giants like effect where he is, you know, able to turn the offensive round from a schematic perspective and where you have guys like, you know, Joshua Palmer as the, you know, Darius Slayton or the Isaiah Hodgins or the Richie James who kind of come out of the woodwork and are able to contribute, but they're going to need to get some bodies, I think, to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I could definitely see Kellen Moore getting a lot out of a little here. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think, you know, uh, we didn't discuss having coaching as part of it, but I think if we did, well, okay, so if we did, and if we're going to try to read the tea leaves of what's to come, and this is in Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft, and it's the, been the move that I've been clamoring for all offseason since I started to do my QB prep work. I think the Colts are in pretty solid position right now, potentially love the moves position because I think they're going to take Richardson to number four. I think getting to Gardner Minshew, people are like, oh, it's Minshew mania. Uh, that's very much a backup contract they signed him to. I think the exact money was under five mil. So like, it's not anything that's going to be like, oh, he's even uh, 3.5 mil for one year. Um, so like, basically that's the bare bones kind of contract. I think they're drafting a rookie at that four spot. I think it's Richardson. You pair Richardson with Shane Steichen, who was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. Now he's running the Colts. 
I love what they're doing there. And I think there's potential for them just to be better from having a coach that's like really smart and a guy that I would say is you know, top tier with what he did with Philadelphia. So I love the Colts right now, Pete, but am I grading them on something that is not fair compared to what's currently occurred? I mean, I for me, the Colts are a classic like break-even team. Yeah, if we're, if we're more judging them because it's not like they maneuvered to get a pick in the way like the Bears did, right? Like they tanked last year uh, and now have this pick by default. So I don't know. When you look at their moves um, in free agency, which were pretty non-existent, they added a, an edge rusher. Um, I'm going to spare everyone trying to pronounce his name. Just kidding. Now that I said it, I have to. Samson Abukum. Um that seemed like a fine addition. They do lose Paris Campbell, who I kind of like a little. I thought he was a nice complimentary pass catcher, gadget type, maybe a slightly better Isaiah McKenzie type. Um, so I would still like to see them draft another wide receiver. I think with Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, they could still use one more guy in there to really complement another uh, rookie quarterback. So yeah, to me, they're a break-even team. I, I do want to see Alec Pierce playing the AJ Brown role is what I personally <laughs> want to see. Just him making the muscle man catches over two guys. Like there's a world Pete where that could occur. We are in a world of infinite possibilities and that's firmly now in at least the five percentile range. Uh, Gretch is rolling over in his grave right now with you comparing Alec Pierce to AJ Brown. Well, he's racist. That I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, let's go. What? Oh, let's see. All right. Jaguars. I think are a team we should hit on here because they brought back Evan Ingram. Uh, they did resign CJ Beathard as their backup. Not much else of note for them. Potentially some more things to come in that backfield, but uh, nothing meaningfully added thus far. Where do the Jags go for you? I feel like we're lumping Ridley in. I think I was going to say yeah. Ridley Ridley's the huge differentiator. If we're including Ridley, it has to be pretty solid. Yeah, so I think that's fair. And Ridley, certainly we talked about the Players' Tribune article a little bit. Um, just a guy that's a great story for him, but a guy who you really do want to see come back after reading that. But I think that basically makes him, I've said it, like I think he's elevated Zay Jones in this offense, but still like very elevated, like a, a Michelin star uh, Zay Jones, I think is what we're going to get from Ridley. So I'm okay with that. I feel like they're not as good as they think they are, but if Lawrence gets better, if the offense is better, like I can see it. And you can even make the case with Ridley, like it could be a love the moves team. Yeah, I, and I... Along with the Ridley thing, I do think signing Evan Ingram was smart. I mean, Evan Ingram was really good down the stretch. I know tight end can tend to be um, devalued a bit. Uh, right now, you see lots of guys moving around, the Gesickis and the Schultzes and stuff. But Evan Ingram looked like a cut above your baseline tight end last year. He was like, for a stretch, their top earner um, as far as targets. And sure that should change with Ridley, but if you now have a guy like Christian Kirk who can be your third target and Zay Jones as a fourth target, I mean, that really puts everyone, um, in a role that best suits them. And I think they're going to be a very fun offense. So Pete Overbeck can make this joke in the chat of Ridley seems like a smart gamble, hard to pass with those plus EV bets. Are we allowed to make the jokes now that he said, oh, was, he was going through a mental health struggle and that's why he bet. Cause like, I don't, I don't want to get on the wrong side. I don't want to get canceled. Pete, we're doing well on the channel lately. I don't think you're I don't think you get canceled for making Ridley uh gambling jokes. My my bet, my bet, my guess is uh Ridley would make some gambling jokes himself. I hope and so. the whole hope point of it is, is like it's so fucking ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he even though he owned up to it, the fact that he got that level of a punishment relative to what all these other guys do with domestic violence and who who else uh or God knows what else. So it's so ridiculous that I think we can make jokes about it. All right, so here's one. Um, this is going to be controversial, but I got to you know, save the hot take for 33 minutes in. 
I love the moves of the Packers, Pete. And I'm assuming, too, that Aaron Rodgers will not be back. I think the move to Jordan Love, they had to do it now. But I just love that they have a concentration now of young players that have shown positive analytics upside. Christian Watson, one of the best rookies coming in in terms of EPA per target, and a guy who we saw meaningfully get better down the stretches. Going to happen for a guy coming from a smaller college and then being in the NFL. But I think this makes them a more fun team. I think bringing back Aaron Jones, a guy who was good, probably not great for A.J. Dillon, but still means that there's a role for both those guys there. And again, you have Christian Watson, I think, voting pretty well as a wide receiver one. And Romeo Dobbs, I think, being an okay wide receiver too. But I just getting rid of Aaron Rodgers, like I have hated the Packers for years now just from him and what he does. And getting that away, like, and being able to go to these guys and know you're not going to get maybe as burned fantasy-wise, very excited for the New Look Packers. This, this is like, I don't mind your like macro thing but having them love the move you're trying to do the addition by subtraction mm -hmm. what are you trying to do the bill simmons ewing theory here you love the moves because they got rid of a uh, one of the best quarterbacks in football they didn't add any other talent in free agency they added safety to various more um and that was basically it you can't give them love the moves i would have had them in probably get worse so if you're gonna fight me on this you have to at least put them in break even but the truth is they got worse yeah, I think you're I think that's right. I don't want to put him in probably got worse because I do feel so strongly that this is the team like if I were making a bet in the north for next year for the NFC North, I think it'd be the Packers. I think it's a fun young team. And I think this is like it is the Ewing theory. It's like you get rid of this guy who the front office had issues with the coaching staff had issues with. This is their time to show what they can do. And maybe they won't do it. But Watson was good enough. Jones is good enough. Dylan's good enough. Like, they have weapons there to be good. There's enough tight ends. The rookie class to replace Tanyan easily. Um, I think there's a good chance they win that division and then Aaron Rodgers like flames out violently in New York. Yeah, I, I you put me in such a tough spot because I, I feel like I'm uh, ahead of market on Jordan Love. Like I end up drafting him in so many of these big board drafts, but you try to put them in love the moves. After losing half of their offense, including their star quarterback, is just a Hall of Fame move. quarterback who won him a yeah. Super Bowl. Jesus. He's, he's washed. He's washed. Wait till we go to the Jets. Actually, let's go to the Jets. And let's. And this is a fair point by Chip here. What do we do when this Rodgers trade somehow doesn't happen? It does feel like it's taken a while to get this done, but I have to assume it's going to happen. If we're going to assume it happens, Pete, where you have the Jets, who added Alan Lazard, um, added some other depth as well, where are the Jets going to go? Yeah, I mean, I think you I think you have to put pretty solid, right? If we want to be logically consistent and say losing Rodgers isn't that big of a deal and they break even, then we can't put the jets and love the moves um you know the jets let go of mike white who goes to the dolphins uh the big win for the jets and we've said this all along right anyone but zach wilson at quarterback is a win for the jets they did that as much as we might be down on aaron Rodgers, he is still definitively better than zach wilson he gets all of his friends coming over alan lazard um so yeah i think it's it's fine to say the jets had a pretty solid free agency yeah, I don't love the addition of Alan Lazard just because it means there's less likelihood that Elijah Moore will be out there getting the slot run he probably deserves. But, um, you know, the idea, and I think, I don't know if I'm fully buying in on it, but Pete, I'm sure you've read this too. Like, actually, it might have been somebody writing up the Fantasy Life newsletter at some point. The assumption that Garrett Wilson becomes Devontae Adams, becomes that alpha receiver for Rodgers. I don't know that I fully buy into that, but even if there is a 30% chance of that happening, that would mean Wilson beats his ADP and he could be a top receiver this year. So, like, fantasy-wise... I think Wilson still like it's worth the dice roll, even though Rodgers can absolutely throw him under the bus by like July. Yeah, I don't think that is going to happen. I mean, Garrett Wilson, I do feel pretty clearly or uh, is a is a superstar. The way he was able to perform with basically any quarterback 
um, even had some decent games with Zach Wilson. So uh, I, I think Garrett Wilson's the real deal and uh, Rogers will find him plenty. So here's a, a tough decision for you because we have some people asking why uh, the Packers over the Lions. The Lions, of course, signing David Montgomery, their big offensive move, but also adding a lot of guys defensively. Uh, there's like a couple linemen, a couple cornerbacks, a couple linebackers, uh, offensive line as well. Where do the Lions go here? Because you have been staunch in your anti-David Montgomery overall ethos. But here he is in an offense potentially getting a bigger role than Jamal Williams, who was an absolute monster last year. I think you have to put them in love the moves because um, my friends online tell me they did some absolute work on the defensive side, cornerback Cameron Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, and uh, CJ Gardner-Johnson, who we mentioned was a big hit for the Eagles to lose. So defensively, they really beefed up, and the Lions secondary was awful uh, last year. You know, the, the whole uh, Coors field of the NFL was because that secondary uh, was so bad there um, at home. So I love this, and as much as I rag on David Montgomery, David Montgomery is a perfect fit for the Lions because he can do a little bit more than what Jamal Williams did in the passing game. And I think that adds makes them a little more dynamic. They can have DeAndre Swift or David Montgomery out on the field, not tip their plays, run their full playbook. And I, I think it was a good move all around, swapping out Jamal for Montgomery there. They beef up on defense. This is a team who is also, this wasn't a free agency move, but they're going to get a full season with Jamison Williams now here as well. And I just think this is one of the few organizations that we associate as a bottom feeder that is on a really nice trajectory. Yeah, and I would also point out to David Montgomery, great in the pass game last year, 0.140 EPA per target, uh, 34% DVOA boost when he's catching passes. So Montgomery legitimately is going to add a facet to that offense that wasn't there. I think it sucks if you've been investing in DeAndre Swift, especially if people were like, oh, they let Jamal Williams go. It's Swift times to shine. They really do not like Swift. And there's been enough reports about that that I think make him a clear number two, if not, you know, maybe a 1B if you're lucky. But I think David Montgomery, I agree. Like they went out, they got him. They've seen him, you know, they've seen him play them enough times now to also have a read on him in person as well. So I think that's a pretty positive move. And I would have no issue investing in Montgomery either. Our boy Dustin asking about the Broncos. The Broncos haven't done a lot besides add P Ryan. Let me just make sure I have all their moves in front of me. They had Man Hurts, they had P Ryan. I guess they added Jared Stidham as a backup, fullback Michael Burton. Where do the Broncos go for you? Because I think they're break even right now. And I think getting Javante back, like one thing that kind of has assuaged my fears about the Broncos is that Javante's 22. So like he's young enough where the ACL tear catastrophic if you're over 25, uh, but under 25, apparently a lot better chance of recovery. So I would say break even for me. Yeah. Um, I know the offensive line bros are excited about two uh, additions they made there. Guard Ben Powers, right tackle uh, Mike McGlinchey, a name I just said for the first time in my entire life. Uh, I think that could probably put them up into pretty solid over break even. And I do think the P Ryan move, as much as we say, you know, running backs don't matter, yada, yada. I think he's the perfect insurance option for Javante Williams because P Ryan, when Joe Mixon was out, could really come in and do everything. He can run at the goal line. He can catch passes. He can pass protect. He's fine as a runner. I mean, his whole knock coming into college was he wasn't that athletic, wasn't super fast, wasn't super agile, but he was a, an accumulator in college and is just a hashtag good football player. And so now for the Broncos, instead of kind of middling it, you know, with their Melvin Gordon situation, it's like, if Javante Williams isn't ready for the start of the season, you know Samaj P. Ryan can be your lead full-time back. And I think that was a really nice move and takes a lot of pressure off of, you know, rushing uh, Javante Williams back. 
Yeah, knowing, too, that he'll be able to hold him in pass protection, which is probably a very important thing for everybody asking about Sean Payton because uh, Sean Payton, yeah. one of those coaches, that certainly does not have a, a quick or a lot of patience for guys who are not going to hold up in pass protection. So I think there's a couple outs there. I think it's going to be better. I think it all comes down to Russ. And Russ showed enough life at the end of last season that maybe it's not over and you give him a pass for the bad coaching and him wanting to leave Seattle, kind of dragging him down the last year there. So there's a chance that they could be pretty good. It's just I agree most of the moves that he made that are most positive are the offensive line ones that we don't care that much about. Raiders, I kind of love the move for the Raiders. I think they're a team that adding Jimmy Garoppolo gives them at least stability at the position in a way that I don't think they need a rookie coming in, or if they do, they could take Levis and let him ride and hopefully he learns from Jimmy. But I think just them having a competent coach or competent QB rather who will hopefully work well with the coach who's been uh, kind of an anathema to some players so far. I think that's a positive for them. And I think if you're looking fantasy wise, Jimmy G was the best guy to kind of keep their values level uh, with them both being elevated Devonte Adams and Josh Jacobs. So I like what the Raiders did. I think they're going to be a competent team. Uh, to me, the Raiders are just classically down the middle break even. Going from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo's break even, losing Darren Waller, but gaining Jacoby Myers feels break even to me. There's nothing moving the needle in either direction for me here. And I do like, I like Darren Waller. I think he's a dynamic player. I know he struggled with injuries and staying on the field, but. I will say, as far as a team understanding their personnel and what they're going to be and how Jimmy Garoppolo succeeds, giving him the Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers trio, like that plays to his strengths. Those are all guys who can get open in the short and intermediary areas of the field. So if you want to split the difference and put pretty solid, uh, I will. But I think the truth is it was a break even. I think you made the case for pretty solid there. Some nice additions, some functionalities that they didn't have before with Myers and Hunter Renfro. And again, Jimmy G likes to check it down. So giving him some nice short range targets I can get open um, in the close range, I think is important. So um, I'm not saying the Raiders are going to be world beaters or anything, but I think they've now done everything they can to keep Devontae Adams viable. And like legit, if they had taken Will Levis and didn't pick up a QB in free agency, I think Devontae Adams would from crashing down violently whereas at least we know now he's going to be good for 10 ppr points a game and whatever that gets you with jimmy g we'll find out um other teams here falcons added taylor heineke added johnny smith in trade um i guess maybe pretty solid because at least they have a backstop to ritter who could have some upside um i don't think they got worse pete and i think they made enough additions on defense and offense that uh, you can touch on if you want because you are the the guru of idp and all that um, I'd give him pretty solid. I think just ride with the young team, see what they could do. And, and maybe Arthur Smith can get out of his way. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, real quick before I, I give my Falcon six, we do have to circle back to this Jimmy thing, Jimmy oh, yeah. G thing and highlight Steven, because I am shocked. Mathology isn't in the chat sharing this TMZ link with us. Did you see this bags? I did not see the link. I have seen that the hustler club offered him a lifetime access or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. He got offered uh free sex for life from some oh, brothel out there. Oh, and the fact that mythology isn't in the chat sharing us, it's like, uh, do I even know this guy anymore? Uh, Jimmy G I think will do well in Vegas. I don't think it'll be a distraction if people are going to downgrade him for that. Like this man's been crushing everywhere. I like, I was at Barstool during the peak of Jimmy G uh, mania and like girls tweeting at Jimmy G trying to get his attention. He was just a backup then. So, you know, like he's he's been through the ringer. He got his MILF days out of him when he was banging all those, <laughs> those MILF porn stars. I mean, I what I, I want him to call the bluff. I want Jimmy G. Here's here, I bet Jimmy G could make more money not playing football this year and becoming a YouTuber who documents taking advantage of free sex for life at a brothel. <laughs> like just his daily vlogs of like headed to the brothel for another one. Um, yeah, Honestly, that's you could have a killer only fans that would get both men and women on board. 
Ooh, that's uh, yeah. Do we have any NFL uh, prof- or just professional athlete only fans accounts in general? That would be another one for the chat to research. They might be not allowed because I know WWE doesn't let their their talent do that because like they fired a girl over it. But AEW does, so maybe the XFL or USFL will be like, hey, go ahead, go on OnlyFans, show that show that thing off. <laughs> Uh, all right, back to the Falcons. I think where you have them is right. Uh, pretty solid. They didn't lose anyone super key. Uh, sorry, Marcus Mariota. And they added some guys on defense, uh, safety, uh, Jesse Bates, defensive tackle, and a linebacker. So, you know, their season is still going to live and die by what happens at the quarterback position for them. But as far as kind of on the other side of the ball, uh, I think they did pretty well. All right, so the Dolphins are another team that I think – I'm going to put to love the moves. It seems like they're dialing in on what worked. Kind of wish they'd explored upgrading at running back. It's kind of weird. Apparently, they, they're bringing back Miles Gaskin and Savon Ahmed, even though they're also bringing back uh, Mostert and bringing back uh, what's and Jeff Wilson as well. Yeah, the so, entire band is <laughs> getting back but, together. It's weird, but signing Mike White, that's going to be an upgrade on Skylar Thompson and, and probably Teddy Bridgewater as well. Braxton Berrios, I think, is, again, a slightly elevated Trent Sherfield, so yeah. I don't mind that move. I think they're doing what they should do. They added some players around the fringes and, of course, added Jalen Ramsey, who Pete mentioned earlier. So, like, I think the Dolphins are going to be the team we expected, and I have no issue with them. I think they're my, one of my favorite fantasy teams to invest in. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty pro-Dolphins. I'm with you on it. I mean, Jalen Ramsey is a big one. I think them solidifying their backup QB spot behind two with Mike White, who I think is a very competent backup quarterback. I think that was really smart. I think them re-signing all of these running backs for relatively cheap and not heading into the draft with pressure of like, we got to go out and get it, spend, you know, top draft capital on a running back. I think that was smart. And then, you know, Mike Kosicki, I like Mike Kosicki, but they never used him in a way that indicated that they liked Mike Kosicki. So if you're not going to use him, might as well let him walk. And Hey, if they do have another tight end prospect that they like, I mean, this is the draft to go after it and get it though. There's going to be guys in the second and third round that could, you know, step in and, you know, do whatever tight end by committee bullshit they want to do with Durham Smythe. So yeah, I'm with you. I think the dolphins, they basically said, Hey, we have the blueprint from last year. And what are the things we can solidify this with? And I do think the only other main thing for them in the draft is they got to get some more offensive linemen to protect Tua and basically have one of the best offensive lines in football. Otherwise you're good to go. And I like your Braxton Berrios take. I agree. He's an upgrade on Sherfield and kind of a, a nice number three in that offense. A good returner too, so that'll be a positive for him. FF Doom pointing out, is this the first time an entire RB room has been retained year to year? Yeah. Uh, it does seem like that's the case, which who would have expected that loyalty from the Dolphins? I guess they liked what they got from those guys, and um, at least the Niners guys were part of McDaniel's previous stop, so like that makes sense. But it is odd, like Gasket or Ahmed, like I don't know why you're bringing both of them back when they clearly were not that valued. And I will just say, like, uh, underdog fantasy spin on that. I don't think, at least where I'm seeing them go, that this kind of working under the assumption that the Dolphins are going to head into the year with basically the same room, that doesn't seem baked into the ADPs. I mean, Moster mm-hmm. and Jeff Wilson are still extremely cheap. I think we'll if they don't spend, let's say, one of the first three rounds, if they don't spend that on a running back, I think those guys each move up two, three, four rounds you know come the middle of the summer so i think getting out ahead of that right now is a pretty good move 
I also, and this might be me thinking more about the football things and not the full like schematic, how it's going to work. Luke Musgrave, a tight end for the Dolphins, I think it'd be a really interesting one because he's pure deep targets, but also a big body guy who can block a little bit better. So I think if he's going to do the vertical offense thing in Miami, that could be a guy that they get um, for fairly cheap, but we'll see. That's just me trying to read the tea leaves. Minnesota, uh, Minnesota signs Josh Oliver for three years, 21 million people kind of surprised by that, but that is a big move that some of the Vikings fans in chat were talking about. Nick Mullins back. Uh, Alex Madison back for a role that's seemingly priced a little bit higher than a backup. So he could be taking over Dalvin Cook's contract potentially, but we don't know how that's going to go. Um, the Vikings for me, Pete, I think would be um, – where, where are the Vikings on this? Oh, here we are. Um, I think they're break-even. Um, I don't think losing Thielen's a big thing, so – I'm pretty okay with him that people like Josh Oliver. I don't get it, but people do like Josh Oliver. Really? I was going to say that Josh Oliver is what tilts me toward the probably got worse. I mean, that's a huge hmm. contract to spend on, on him. And especially yeah. after they are, you know, devoted significant resources to getting TJ Hawkinson last year. I mean, their only other uh, additions, they added uh, Marcus Davenport and cornerback Byron Murphy, but they do lose Thielen. Not that that's a big miss. I think they'll be able to find a third wide receiver, um, pretty easily, whether in the draft or whatever's floating around after free agency. So I, I, I get, I'll go break even with you on the, uh, on the Vikings. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Um, best landing spot for Kareem hunt. I, he's just such a non-factor. I think he's wherever he lands will be good for him at this point, but maybe the Steelers as like a, a, a guy who ruins Jalen Warren a little bit, but, um, I, I guess I could see that. Let's talk about the Steelers. Cause I don't think they've done much of note. Let me make sure I have this correct. Uh, they have basically only re-signed defensive guys and linemen. So I feel like for where we're going here, the Steelers would be a probably got worse just from that perspective. Yeah, they get uh, Patrick Peterson. Um, they mm. they look like more of a neutral uh, team yeah. to me. Um, they do lose linebacker Miles Jack. Um, they didn't do much offensively, basically yeah. no offensive moves for them. So let's let's give them the break even. All right, I'm okay with that. Seattle bringing back Gino. Um, not much else of note unless there's something I'm forgetting offhand. Gino's a big one. Oh, of course, bringing back Drew Locke. So uh, you got to love the moves. <laughs> they lose, uh, and they lose Rashad Penny. Yeah, which which is probably a net positive for like Kenneth Walker could not pay off that ADP if Rashad Penny came back somehow. Do you know? Do you know though if it's not a net positive if you know basically Pete Carroll is like a dynasty manager who every year just trades away his players so he can get more rookie picks. If Pete Carroll is using this as an excuse to draft another running back in the first or second round, which he honestly might be. I mean, this guy lives for selecting running backs early in the draft. Um, then it is a colossal fail. But if he can, I don't know, uh, maybe rein it in a bit, I'm sure we can call them break even. All right. So we got a lot of break evens here. Giants. I'm going to say pretty solid just for retaining the core and the way they did as well. Like you had to pay Daniel Jones. You didn't have to pay Saquon, but they knew that was kind of the liars poker coming in and they could push that to the edge. Saquon ends up coming back. They end up really re-signing every receiver, including Sterling Shepard. Um, also add Paris Campbell. I think they've now given Daniel Jones enough, at least replacement level weapons to be there. And I love Slayton. I thought Slayton should have gotten a bigger deal somewhere else. Like, I think it was kind of unfair. He only got a two-year deal because he was legit pretty good. One of the better EPA per target guys out there, especially going as late in drafts as he did. But I think just the Giants keeping it together, Pete, another year, hopefully adding some talent in the draft. Like, I just believe in that coaching staff a lot. And they got the most out of guys that, especially Barkley, like, I just don't think I have a lot of juice left. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I put them in pretty solid. I think, 
you know, almost similar to the Dolphins, right? They were like, our blueprint worked last year. And so what are we going to do? We're going to re-sign Daniel Jones. We're going to re-sign Barkley. We're going to keep these wide receivers and we're just going to beef it up a little bit. You know, they drafted Daniel Bellinger, um, but going and getting Darren Waller is a clear upgrade at tight end. And they continue to kind of just say, Hey, Daniel Jones is an average quarterback in the league, but with really good coaching. And if we surround him with weapons, um, maybe he can take us deep into the playoffs. And they did that. So they're another team who I think at least has a clear vision and are kind of executing on it. FFD, I'm asking, is there any giant wide receiver that'll sniff 800 yards? It's sort of tough to say he'll get the snap work with how many guys they have in the slot now. But I think it's Wandale. Like Wandale to me is a thousand yard receiver. Easy. Like if he's out there actually playing enough snaps um, and if he's recovering the right way as well. But I think that'd be my guy. I think he'd be your guy too, right? For sure. Yeah. And, it, and Slayton too. Like Slayton's back. Like like Pete was really beating the drum of Slayton and he was dead. And now he's back out there and he's looking lively. And I get like a really good year last year that people kind of slept on. Well, um, actually, no, I'm going to change. I think Wandale Robinson is, is my favorite breakout potential wide receiver on the Giants to kind of emerge from the, the amorphous pack. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I, I like Juan Nail the most, yeah. but I, I just wouldn't sleep on Slayton is all I would yeah. say. Um, Browns, what are the what do the Browns do? I guess they're getting rid of Kareem Hunt. Um, they brought everybody back for the most part of note. Um, I think they're also break even. Yeah, um, they didn't. I mean, they added a defensive tackle and an edge rusher, a safety, a tight end, Jordan Akins. Um, they lost uh, J, uh, Clowney, Brissett. Mm. And presumably um, uh, to, to Kareem Hunt, so I, I think they probably probably got worse. Like you can have the argument, and I've been battling about this with people. You could make the argument that Jacoby Brissett um, is better than Deshaun Watson, um, at least based on what we saw last year. I know everyone assumes Deshaun Watson's going to bounce back and shake off the rust, but I don't know. Um, they made a very very big bet with Deshaun Watson, and it could have really detrimental trickle down effect on their organization for years to come. If they were very wrong on that bet. I I'm more of a believer in Watson, but it's also because Cooper was pretty good last year. It's those people's Jones. So like, I think if the weapons around him were good enough, like he'll get there, but, um, but I agree. Like there is some risk profile of that one. Um, Patriots signed James Robinson, I guess, lose to Kobe Myers, um, lose some other guys, uh, cut John or Smith or trade John or Smith, keep Hunter Henry. I think they're probably got worse team. The issue to me is that they do have a better offensive coordinator. Matt Patricia should not have had that job last year. And you can tell from Mac Jones's frustration that uh, on the field sometimes that that was not the right move. Bill O'Brien at least has been there, has had competent offenses. So I think the Patriots might be better, but in terms of what they did, Pete, I feel like they still got worse. I, yeah, this is, I want this to be like my version of the Packers for you, where I just want to emotionally put them in the dumpster fire because so many things they did in free agency just make me angry. Um, when you look at the money for the Jacoby and Juju stuff, I think it's ridiculous that they let go of a homegrown talent like Jacoby, who was better than Juju last year to just make that swap. Um, they also had to unwind the massive mistakes they made in free agency a couple years ago when they overspent on Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. They do get rid of Johnny Smith there and bring in Mike Gesicki. The Mike Gesicki is like a slight W, um, I guess for them, but I don't want to give them credit for it because it was undoing a massive mistake. And then going from Damian Harris to James Robinson, who, People like James Robinson, people still think fondly of him because he had that breakout insane year on the Jags where he was completely off the radar as a UDFA. But the dude got traded to the Jets last year and couldn't even sniff the field. So how he's better than anything else they have on their on their roster right now, like give me fucking Pierre Strong over James Robinson every day of the week. I don't know. The Patriots piss me off. They need wide receiver help so bad. 
They can't draft anyone to save their life. They can't figure out how to spend their money in free agency. Total dumpster fire. And I hope my in-laws don't hear this. I'm going to, I'm going to put him in dumpster fire for you that I think that's yeah. your passion really spoke to me and I'm with you on the James Robinson thing. I was actually been thinking about this. I've been workshopping in my head, Pete, and I'm not going to actually do anything with it. You know, like how Nepo babies are like a big thing now where it's like, Oh, the children of nepotism are such a thing for football. It should be like volume babies where it's like, if you got volume at some point in your life, people are like, that guy was pretty good when he got a chance. That's James Robinson. It's like, he couldn't win that job. As Pete pointed out, like couldn't win the job from Zonovan Knight last year. And Knight was better in every advanced analytic than Robinson. I think there's a chance like Belichick can fall in love with him. And if Belichick falls in love with a guy, he will force that guy down their throat over and over again. So that's where Robinson could get there. But I just think you know he's who, a, a pure You know who Robinson baby. is? Robinson is Jonas Gray, right? To your point, oh. if Belichick like convinces himself, I want to give this guy like, you know, 30 carries in a game, like sure, could he have it? But like the talent level is a guy who could be washed out of the league in two games as well. Like it yeah. just... I, it is a classic Bill Belichick ad, though. As people in the chat say, he's just clicking buttons. Whatever, you know, I think you can still give respect to Bill Belichick um, as an offensive mastermind, as someone who can, you know, I don't know, control uh, players or, you know, use them as pawns or whatever. But, man, him as a GM uh, has just been an absolute disaster in the draft and free agency. Yeah, Robinson to close the loop on that. Negative 0.15 EPA per rush last year. Negative 22% DVOA. Low 11% avoid tackle rate. So there's no juice left in James Robinson. But again, if he gets the volume, like he can get there. And that's just unfortunately the way it's going to go, especially for the Patriots. Um, so the Saints, I think we talked about a little bit before. You would have them as a break even. I do think that the addition of Derek Carr makes him look a little bit better. Michael Thomas being back in there. And as I will beat the drum for a little bit, he is on the older side. So not normally the profile I've fallen in love with in recent in years, but he was really good last year when he played, and I still think there's a good chance there is that Michael Thomas wide receiver one upside in him, so I think pretty solid. I think this is a team that's built for him, and I, I really like what Carr is going to do in this offense. That said, you no know, Kamara, you know, Jamal Williams being probably carrying a lot of that load for six to eight games, depending on the Kamara suspension. Uh, so what do you think about the Saints? Would you go with me at pretty solid, or do you want to put them in our lump of break-even? No, I'll give you pretty solid because I do think Derek Carr is a slight upgrade on Andy Dalton. I think Jamal Williams is a slight upgrade on Mark Ingram. They added a couple defensive tackles, like you said, re-signing Michael Thomas. I think you're a little bit more excited about Michael Thomas having some in the tank. But, I mean, Michael Thomas with Derek Carr, I can definitely tell myself a story where that works out pretty well. Um, they do lose a couple of their speedster wide receivers in, in uh, Deontay, uh, Hardy, and uh, Callaway. So I'd like to see them maybe add another wide receiver in the draft. So you're rolling out, you know, Michael Thomas, uh, Olave, and then a third guy, but yeah, I, think for free I mean, Shahid's fine. Yeah, you're right. He was great last year for what the role he had was like, that's, that's yeah. the thing that I'm really bullish on. Like I think Shahid is like your better and best ball guy. And I I'm surprised you're not with him more. Cause like if he's makes the year one, year two jump, like he's legit going to be a monster, even if he only does it for five games out of the year. Yeah, I should I should probably be giving Shahid more credit. I, I'll just admit he's like a blind spot for me. He's just a guy that uh, I haven't ever fully come around on. Um, but if they don't add anything else in the draft in his spot on the depth chart stays solidified, um, I think I'll come around. If people seem like the chat a little more into uh, the Saints, then, then uh, and you might be as well. The Michael Thomas, one of the more bizarre falling outs. The fact that he came back is bizarre to me about that. But I guess, you know, they maybe it wasn't as toxic as it seemed from various times there. But, yeah, the Saints, I think I have a little more juice to squeeze out of there as well. And I think, again, it's, it's a very winnable NFC South because there's no Tom Brady there. Speaking of, we got the Bucks here, Pete. Mm. Uh, do you think they got worse? Do you think <laughs> are they a dumpster fire? 
Well, they lost Ronald Jones. Uh, no, they, they already lost Ronald Jones, and then the Chiefs lost Ronald Jones. Um, yeah, so what? They add Baker Mayfield, add Chase Edmonds. They're losing Tom Brady, Letter Fournette, Julio Jones, Cameron Brait. Um, I think you have to say the Bucs are a dumpster fire right now. I mean, they have the worst quarterback battle in the entire league right now. I thought worst quarterback situation. I mean, Kyle Trask versus Baker Mayfield is a true dumpster fire. I don't know how you can make a case for anything other than, hey, they're going to do really well at tanking. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think they feel like a team that could still strip mine some things in the draft as well. Uh, Baker, despite him having a little bit of a resurgence for the Rams, is not actually good last year. And Trask, I think, you know, you look at the college numbers and there's some faint hope there, but there is a reason for the most part these guys do go unheralded and do go kind of unrecognized. So I'm with you on that. Three more teams, uh, the Niners. So the Niners are a team for fantasy, Pete. Like, I feel like they're perfectly fine to be a break even, like, or even pretty solid just for keeping it together. But defensively, you've lost some guys. Offensively, you mentioned some of the offensive line signings that have gone elsewhere. So they probably got worse, right? I think so, yeah. They uh, they lost their right uh, right tackle as well. A couple defensive guys. We mentioned cornerback uh, Emmanuel Mosley. They lost their edge guy, safety Jimmy Ward. So they were kind of like the Eagles, right, where they got a little picked over on defense. Um, Sam Darnold, uh, I guess I kind of in the vein of like the Mike White stuff of kind of solidifying your quarterback situation. I want to give them a little credit for that. I mean, this was a team. You don't see a lot of teams devote resources to a third string quarterback, but the Niners know they're still a Super Bowl caliber team. And if things head south with both Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, like what happened in that uh, championship uh, game, they now have a little bit of coverage there to remain competent. So I want to give them a little credit for that. But yeah, probably got worse feels right. Uh, so we got two teams left. Let's go Washington. I think Washington's actually a pretty solid just from getting Jacoby Brissett um, as a backstop for Sam Howell. Like I kind of thought that there was a chance they would go in with Howell and try to do the rookie deal thing. They still may do that. Brissett was actually good for Cleveland and he won them some games outright. If nothing else, they're going to convert a few more third and ones like I would rather give the ball to Jacoby Brissett in a third and one than I would Brian Robinson currently because Brian Robinson is not the hammer uh, that Ron Rivera seemed to think. So I don't mind the commanders, Pete. I feel like maybe they could be more of a break even for you, but I think Brissett alone, just a quality backup getting $10 million. So he could be the starter. Um, I think there's room there for them to be pretty good. Yeah. I think they're more of a break even for me. The Brissett argument would be a little bit more persuasive to me. If it say it was the bucks setup where Brissett mm. would be no doubt the, the starter for them. Whereas I don't know, I, I'm a Sam Howell slappy. I want to see Sam Howell play. I think he looked good in limited action. I think from a franchise building standpoint, you should give him a full year to just see what he has, what he can develop into. So if anything, I think it almost stunts his growth. I get that organizations want to have a battle and get the best guy out there, but the commanders aren't um, a playoff team, much less a Super Bowl contender. Might as well see what you have with Sam Howell. So the Brissett stuff makes it more break even for me. Uh, people uh, asking why are we why are we, I guess the general public so down on Antonio Gibson? Um, he was really bad last year. Like I think that's important to note. And also Ron Rivera wasn't that into him. I thought he could be a cut candidate. Maybe he will be a post June one one. But they just really wanted to give the ball to Brian Robinson. It seemed like they made their indoctrination of Antonio Gibson. I guess that could change. He definitely was a better pass catcher than uh, Brian Robinson was. But I just think Gibson's to me is like maybe not as bad as James Robinson, Pete. But I think uh, you view him differently. But I think he's basically on that James Robinson spectrum. 
Uh, yeah, I think he's a more dynamic playmaker than James Robinson. They're different type of players, right? James Robinson's going to be more of a between the tackles grinder where I think Gibson can get some stuff done in space. I still have some hope that Gibson could be a fun complimentary piece in an offense that needs kind of a change of pace back along with a bruiser type. So yeah, I'm, I'm not fully out on Gibson. I think he could land somewhere and still be fantasy relevant, but yeah, I mean, Washington, I feel like needs to add another back though, too. I don't think you can go into the year with just Brian um, Robinson as your main guy. I mean, he's also fairly limited in his mm-hmm. skill set too. So I don't know, Antonio Gibson, like on paper is a good fit for Washington. They just never seem to like him in the same way. You know, the Dolphins never seem to love Gesicki. I would trade or cut Gibson. I don't think you could find a trade market for him. I would cut him and take Ty J Sharp would be my pick. I think our, our guy, him being back in that McKissick role for Washington, I think would be pretty nice. Yeah. Um, I think I I can see it. Titans last team on the board. Um, I think this could get worse Pete, but I think right now we would say probably got worse and potentially a dumpster fire. If they do trade Derrick Henry, that is going to entirely change that offensive way. I don't have faith in they've signed a good amount of defensive guys, added some offensive line help. So they're basically just doing Titans things Uh, are bringing back Nick Westbrook Akine, even though they let Robert Woods go. But I guess maybe the one chance to be addition by subtraction, Traylon Burke should get more targets. Conquo should get more targets theoretically. But how valuable those targets in this offense, Pete, I feel like not that valuable. Yeah, I think they, I think probably got worse is right. I guess maybe a Titans homer could make a case for break. Even they did some just reshuffling at left tackle. They swapped out uh, Taylor Lewin. Lewin? Mm-hmm. How few Luan, times I, think, I say yeah. Luan uh, for Andre Dillard. So I guess that could be seen as a one for one replacement. Losing Robert Woods doesn't change anything. Um, these guys are, they're kind of like the Falcons, right? Where how, this team's success is going to come down to whatever they get at quarterback, whether it's Tannehill or Malik Willis miraculously finds the ability to play NFL football. Um, you know, they still have some interesting pieces with Henry and Burks um, and, you know, a decent offensive line, but. This is a team that also seems poised to bottom out this year. Oh, Steven with some good takes today. Roshan Johnson for the Titans. That would be a very, if they got rid of Derrick Henry and Broden Roshan, Roshan would go up 150 spots in ADP right now, maybe 160, 70. I could see him being a nice little, little Derrick Henry uh, insurance plan there. Ooh, that'd be sneaky. All right, so there we go. There's the first ranking. Screen grab them. Save them to your phone so you know the teams that we think are good so far. We will revisit this again. I'm um, Also, speaking of rankings, I do believe the Spags rankings will have a home at football. What does that stand for again? Uh, superior players are great spots, Pete. Thank you. I just always have to check in on that. <laughs> I appreciate you helping me get the branding out there. But no, my yeah. rankings, people have been asking. Uh, there is a previous version pinned right now in Pete's Deposit Kingdom Discord on the Splash Play channel. So check it out if you want to see what happened there. Actually got some takes right in there, including Jimmy Garoppolo to the Raiders. So check that out. But they're going to be a product on FO. So I, uh, that's where we are. Is that they're, <laughs> they're that much looking for subs that they're willing to make me into a product. Well, Spags, uh, sex sells. And that's why I'm going to be <laughs> subscribing for the Spags method. The only fans and uh, and rankings combined into one spot. But I'll have more details on that to come. Of course, follow me at Chris Spags. Follow Pete at Peter Roversett. Follow this show at Splash Play Pod. Pete, you have the club coming up, I presume? No, no show today. We got people traveling. Pete Jennings just had a second kid, so uh, everybody is tied up. I'm going to go do uh, some taxes right now. If you guys want to join me for that, we're going to be doing that over on my channel. No, uh, I'm going to be doing that. You should. Honestly, people would be curious. I was actually talking to some of my, my marketing team who like, this is their second time doing taxes. And I'm like, listen, man, just go on TurboTax, just like tweak around, see what little write-offs you get. 
<laughs> just do it. I mean, that's your financial advice. <laughs> just tweak around and see what little write-offs you get. My God. I preface it by saying this is not financial advice. Yeah. That said, <laughs> go to TurboTax and just play around with the sliders a little. See what you get. Yeah, that's what I'm going to go do. I'm just going to be fiddling with sliders as if it's a market share projection for Darius Slate next year. <laughs> Runbetaxes.com. <laughs> <laughs> only place to do it um okay so pete uh what other plug so you got ship chasing tomorrow right yeah we got ship chasing uh tomorrow night um yeah i can't i can't think of anything else and i will be back on friday head to head right at noon showdown at noon me versus pete gonna do these once every couple weeks and we're bringing it back so come out this then appreciate all of you guys hit that like button before you go subscribe all that stuff we'll see you guys again soon good luck <laughs>